WTBN, Pinellas Park, W262CP, Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Locations in new portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. See, the reason that only faith in Christ opens the door into God's kingdom and nothing else is because only Jesus Christ has sufficiently addressed the one thing that keeps us out of heaven. What is that? Our sin. Folks, this is why the gospel is the gospel. This is why religion can't get you to heaven. This is why church attendance can't get you to heaven. This is why baptism can't get you to heaven. It's Christ and Christ alone. In Matthew 16, Jesus told Peter that he, Jesus, would give to Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Many people, maybe even most people, have used that verse to conjure up images of a bearded old man with wings and a golden halo standing in front of golden gates, checking IDs. A wrong picture. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is leading us in an in-depth series of studies about the nature of the church. It's based in Matthew 16, verses 18 through 20, which records the first time Jesus mentioned the church. We've already dealt with issues like the foundation, ownership, and funding of the church. We also looked into church government. And over the past couple broadcasts, Pastor Steve has been considering Jesus' seemingly mysterious comments about Peter and the keys to the gate of heaven. But as we heard in our last broadcast, the key to the gate of heaven is simply the gospel. Peter opened heaven to the Jews in Acts chapter 2 when he presented the gospel and 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. And then in chapter 10 of Acts, Peter spoke to a Roman centurion named Cornelius who came to Christ thus opening the door to the Gentiles. As we begin today, we find Peter doing something that was unthinkable to his fellow believers and challenging for Peter himself. He is in the house of a Gentile, sharing the good news with someone he'd always been taught was unclean and unworthy. Turn to Acts chapter 10 if you can. Here's Pastor Steve. Now, understand this. Prior to this, there had been individual Gentiles who were saved. That, that's not new. In fact, Jesus himself dealt evangelistically with certain Gentiles during his own ministry. So that's not new. What's new here, what's new and what is special in Peter's ministry to Cornelius is this is the start of something brand new. You see, from this point on in the history of the church, the door to God's kingdom was open wide for Gentiles to enter in, but not as isolated individuals, now you come by way of faith alone in Jesus Christ. You come as a people. You no longer need to go through Israel. Prior to this, everyone went through Israel. You see, you had to become a proselyte and follow the God of Israel. Now you come the same way as Jewish people by faith alone in Jesus Christ. This, folks, is remarkable. Most of you are Gentiles. In your hearts, you ought to be saying, praise God. I don't have to be a proselyte. I come directly to Christ. It's been my privilege when I've been in Israel to be in Caesarea. We always visit Caesarea. And one of the devotions that I give when we're in Caesarea is Acts chapter 10. This is where it all opened up. Do you realize the grace of God? Take no offense at what I'm about to say. But most Gentiles, their backgrounds were barbaric tribes running through northern Europe. 
That's exactly right. You, you were not the most decent of people. You were pagans born of pagans. You were immoral. You were lost. You, you believed in a plurality of gods who Paul said was nothing more than demons impersonating gods. That's the Gentiles. Dark world. You had no light. You were darkened heathen. This opened the door. I know you're all respectable now, but your ancestors were not. They were not. They were barbarians. This is what opened the door. And notice the book of Acts commentary on this incident of Peter and Cornelius. Notice one chapter over in chapter 11. We read this. Verse 1. Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. This is unheard of. They didn't realize this. Nobody realized this. Even though Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. It just never dawned on them that the Gentiles are invited now to enter into the kingdom of heaven without going through Israel. And so now you have some Jewish people, Jewish believers in Judea, primarily in Jerusalem, the capital city, the headquarters, and they're hearing this. Notice verse 2. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised Jewish people, they took issue with him. I mean, I could just imagine saying, Peter, what are you thinking? Going to a Gentile, entering his home, preaching the gospel to him. This is a message to Jewish people. Here's what they said in verse three. You went to uncircumcised men and you ate with them. No Jew does that. Peter goes on in this chapter to explain what happened to him. That God had commanded him. And now he understands. And notice the conclusion in verse 18. When they heard this, this meaning the content of chapter 10 in summation form, they quieted down and notice this and glorified God saying, well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. They finally, at least the light was beginning to shine, because I don't want to say they finally got it, but they were beginning to get it, at least this group did. The reason that they didn't all get it, I know that, is because in chapter 15, now there is a major discussion. It's called the First Council, the First Church Council of Jerusalem. And see what's happened now in the meantime, God has raised up a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, who becomes the famous Apostle Paul, and he takes the gospel... Not simply to Gentiles, but he takes it outside of Israel to Gentiles. At least Peter went to someone who is respectable, a proselyte in Israel, that man by the name of Cornelius, an upright man. But now Paul and Barnabas, they're going to the pagans, people who have no clue as to anything about the God of Israel. And they're telling us that these Gentiles are coming into the church. They're being saved. So they hold this big council. And notice, notice in verse 13, we read about James, who uh, was the half brother of our Lord. And James apparently is acting as the chairman. He's a leader, even though he's technically not an apostle. He's the leader. Notice what he says. Notice his authoritative word in verse 14. He says, Simeon, that's short for Simon, and that's Peter. Peter was Simon. Simeon has related how God first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. He's telling us that the door was opened. The door was opened when Simon Peter, the rock, opened it. 
because Jesus gave him the keys to the kingdom. So based on these words, these words of Christ about the keys of the kingdom that he was promising to Peter back in Matthew, we understand that Peter just had a very unique role in the early formation of the church. Remember in verse 18, we learned that Peter's rock-like preaching would bring the first converts into the church, which it did. Now we learn that Jesus also gave Peter the privilege of opening the door of salvation to both Jewish and Gentile peoples. And once Peter did this, notice he now fades from prominence in the book of Acts. Doesn't mean his ministry faded out. He still was going strong. But his prominence, at least in the scriptures, in the book of Acts, begins to fade. And then from chapter uh, about 15 on, Paul's ministry, actually even before that, the Apostle Paul and his ministry comes into view because God wants us to know that the gospel was going outside of Israel, even into the Gentile Roman Empire. Now, I want us to think for a few minutes about how significant Peter's unlocking of the door to the kingdom really was and how this truth applies to us. First of all, it is absolutely critical, folks, for us to understand that the content of the message that Peter gave to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles that opened the door to them is the same message we are to preach today. Nothing has changed. People try to change it, but the message that opened the door for them is the same message that we need to proclaim and hear Today, the message has not changed. The truth that saved sinners back then is the same truth that saved sinners today. So what was it that Peter told these Jewish people and the Gentiles? Well, without going into all the details, look with me at Acts chapter 4. This is very interesting. In Acts chapter 4, Peter explains the heart and core of his message to, of all people, the Jewish religious leaders who had rejected Jesus and had rejected their message as well. See, it's in explaining to them what they actually rejected that Peter sums up the very essence of the message that opens the door into Christ's kingdom. Notice what he says in verses 11 and 12. Speaking to these religious leaders, he says very boldly, he's meaning Christ is the stone which was rejected by you. He says, the builders, you are the leaders of the nation, the ones who build up, supposedly, the people, God's people. But Christ is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. You rejected the most important aspect of our faith. And he says, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven that has been given among men, whereby we must be saved. This is the key. Verse 12. After arresting Peter and John for their involvement in healing a man, and then they were preaching Jesus and the resurrection, the Jerusalem Council now brings Peter and John before them, and they ask them all kinds of questions. And in response to their questioning, Peter says in verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. There's no other name given amongst men but Christ, Jesus Christ, whereby we must be saved. That's incredible. He's saying that salvation only comes through faith in Christ. You see, in putting it this way, Peter was making it clear that the gospel is the exclusive means by which one is saved. And by doing this, Peter is dogmatically excluding all other means by which some might think that they can experience salvation. In other words, Peter was saying that salvation is only by faith in Christ and not by any 
works righteousness that we attempt to do. That is precisely what Jesus had said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Broad is the way that leads to death and destruction. The narrow way is the way of repentance and faith in Christ. It leads to eternal life. The broad way includes trying to be good, doing anything we want to do, living by our own rules. And Jesus said that leads to eternal death. Why? Because no one is really good. And those who think they are fail to see their sin. And therefore, in failing to see their sin, they fail to see their need to experience divine forgiveness for their sins. That's the broad way that I could somehow be good enough to earn my way into heaven. See, it's it's only when we know how unrighteous and wicked we really are without any hope of meriting God's favor by our own behavior that we see our need to come to Christ. We come in repentance and faith, seeking his forgiveness. Why is this such an important statement, especially given to these Jewish religious Leaders, because these men in particular, and Peter certainly knew this, had oriented their entire lives around trying to get to heaven by keeping multitudes of religious deeds. And tragically, tragically, this is how they told others to try to get into heaven. Why do I say that? One of the most denouncing statements Jesus ever gave is in Matthew chapter 23 when he spoke about these men. Listen to what he said. Matthew 23, verse 13, he said, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. You shut it off for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. That is to say, they shut the door of the kingdom of heaven for themselves and for others who listen to them. And who looked to them for answers, how did they shut the door? They shut the door on themselves and to others by proclaiming a works-oriented righteousness. They have a zeal for God, but not according to the righteousness which comes through faith in Christ. They rejected that righteousness. They rejected their need for divine forgiveness because that comes only through faith in Christ. So not only did they close the door on themselves, they closed the door on others who said, teach us, we want to know. See, the reason... That only faith in Christ opens the door into God's kingdom and nothing else is because only Jesus Christ has sufficiently addressed the one thing that keeps us out of heaven. What is that? Our sin. Folks, this is why the gospel is the gospel. This is why religion can't get you to heaven. This is why church attendance can't get you to heaven. This is why baptism can't get you to heaven. It's Christ and Christ alone. Why? The Bible says that God is so holy and so just that he will not let sin go unpunished. His righteous character demands that sin be punished. And the only punishment acceptable to God is death. The wages of sin, Paul says, is death. And not just, he doesn't mean simply the passing away of our lives from this present world. But it's talking of eternal death, which means everlasting torment, as well as separation from God's fellowship forever. Therefore, the greatest need that we have is for someone who could bear our sins and be punished in our place. But that would mean that this individual would have to have no sins of their own. Because no sinner could be punished for our sins when they had their own sins to be atoned for. No, we need someone who is perfect. We need someone who is sinless. We need someone who is infinite 
to be our infinite substitute sin bearer. And the only person in the entire universe who fits that description and is qualified is Jesus Christ, the eternal God-man. The one who was without sin and therefore was qualified to pay the infinite penalty for our sins by his death on the cross. And those who come to Christ humbly admitting their sinfulness with contrite hearts of repentance, trusting him as their substitute sin bearer, receive God's complete forgiveness of all their sins as they enter into his kingdom. Folks, it's this message of divine forgiveness of sin through faith alone in Christ that Peter gave on the day of Pentecost to the Jewish people as well as to Cornelius. Why do I say that? If you go back to Acts chapter 2, you see that when he sums up his message, it's about forgiveness. This is our message, forgiveness of sins. Acts chapter 2, notice this. In Acts chapter 2, we read, In verse 37, now when they heard this, this is after he gave his message, when they heard this, they were pierced in their heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? I mean, Peter said, you murdered your own Messiah. You turned him over to the Romans. You killed him. And they were pierced, convicted. And they said, what should we do? Notice what Peter says. It's a little misunderstanding because of the translation of this. But I'll tell you what it means. Peter said in verse 8, Repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It would appear, based on that translation, that you need to be baptized in order to have your sins forgiven. That's not the best translation. Nobody gets their sins forgiven by baptism. What the way this should be translated is because of the forgiveness of your sins. He's saying, repent, believe in Christ, and because you have been forgiven, based on that, then be baptized. But notice, what I want you to see is forgiveness of sins is the message. You're a sinner, you need forgiveness, Christ has provided that for you. Trust him. Acts chapter 10, the same thing. Notice, I just want you to see that it's about forgiveness. That's the message, divine forgiveness. In Acts chapter 10, Peter sums this up in verse 43. When he says, of him, speaking of Christ, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. He says, Cornelius, I know you're a Gentile, but let me tell you, all the Jewish prophets say, by faith in Christ is where forgiveness of sins comes from. That's how you get forgiveness of sins. See, folks, that's the way into God's kingdom. It's by first recognizing your sinfulness, therefore your need for divine forgiveness, and then trusting in Christ and his death on the cross as the only way to be forgiven. And that is why Peter said there is salvation in no other person but Jesus Christ alone. So how does this apply to us? Well, two ways. If you're a believer in Christ, this does help us to understand what we're witnessing about. What our message is, we preach forgiveness for our sins through Christ. Listen, we don't preach personal fulfillment. We don't tell people, come to Jesus and you'll be personally fulfilled in this life. That's not the gospel. We don't preach to them that this is how you can be all you can be. This is how you can be fulfilled. This is the best you can be. Christ will, will give you a happy, satisfying life. We, it's not about that at all. It's not about improving your self-esteem, making you a better person, making you more successful. That's not the gospel. That's what's on many bookshelves. That's not the gospel. 
The gospel is this, that God is a God of holiness and wrath and justice. He poured out his wrath on his own son. Come to him in repentance and faith and you'll be forgiven. That's the gospel. Flee from the wrath to come. So how does this apply to us? It tells us this is what we preach. This is what we proclaim. This is what we say to people to in evangelizing them. And they, that may seem very archaic. And that may seem out of touch with society, which doesn't even acknowledge sinfulness and evil. But that's the eternal gospel. Secondly, how does this apply? Well, if you're not a believer, you need to know there still is salvation in no one else but Jesus Christ alone. And it's not enough to have a general belief in God's existence. The Bible says even the devil believes that God exists. See, a generic type of faith in God's existence will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. There are many people who think, yes, I believe in God. I believe that he, he even created things. He sustains things. You have to understand that your sin has offended the God of holiness, that you deserve his wrath poured out in judgment. But in his mercy, he has provided salvation by pouring out his judgment on his own son. And so he invites you to enter his kingdom by faith in his son. If you want, you can come into his kingdom today. You don't have to wait to die. We enter into his kingdom today by trusting Christ. You can come because the doors are open. Why are the doors open? Peter opened them by the preaching of the gospel. But they remain open to you today. We don't have to open them again. They're still open. But you have to come on his terms. What are his terms? Repentance and faith in Christ. Let's bow for prayer. I urge you, if you have never entered his kingdom, come to him today. He is the king. You are but a lowly sinner. Bow before the king. Repent of your sin and trust him as the one who bore in his own body on the cross your sins. And I say to believers, make sure that what we proclaim is the gospel. Don't change it. Don't change it. Peter, with great boldness, said to those men, there is salvation in no one else. And we have to say the same thing today, no matter how unpopular that might be. Well, Father, thank you for enlightening us. Thank you, Lord, for helping us. We realize there are many who would look at this passage and miss the point. But we thank you that Scripture interprets Scripture and we've been given the Holy Spirit to enlighten us. So we pray that you will help us to take these truths, Lord. We ask you to drive them home deep into our hearts. And may we make sure that we are faithful to the old but eternal message that salvation comes by faith in Christ alone. And we pray for those who, who may not know you, Lord. May they see more clearly than ever their need for salvation and may they come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please, if you've never trusted Christ, do not put off that decision. And if you did just ask Him to be your Lord and Savior and want to tell someone about it, or if you have questions about your faith, I'll have a number you can call in just a moment. You've been listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is helping us understand more about the nature of the church. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For more information about Lakeside, visit their website, lakesidechapel.com. You'll even find a map there to Lakeside if you'd like to visit some Sunday. Today's broadcast was the last part of a three-part message. 
If you'd like to listen to the entire message without announcements, here's the number to call to request a free CD. It's also the number to call if you have just put your faith in the Lord Jesus and want to tell us about it. Just call 727-239-0306. To get your free CD, ask for message 4229, The Nature of the Church, Part 9. If you call outside of regular office hours, leave a message with a daytime phone number and we'll get back to you. Once again, that number is 727-239-0306. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported ministry of Lakeside. We have our own website, versebyverseradio.org. That's the place to go if you want to get caught up on previous broadcasts. We have hundreds of them on our message archive page. Also on the giving page, we have information about how you can help keep these daily Bible classes on the air. The address again is versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. I hope you can join us for the next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve will move on to the first part of the final message in this series about the nature of the church. When Jesus said to Peter, Whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven.